Ziggy all day. Life is like a Christmas movie. I wouldn't have a care or worry. And everything would always turn out fine. Making angels in the snow. Kissing under mistletoe. And everyone would always have a smile. But baby, life isn't that easy. Sometimes it gets crazy. I'm falling on my knees, yeah. I'm hoping for a happy ending. So let's stop pretending what life could be. Welcome to the Weird Christmas Podcast. I'm Craig Kringle. It's finally cold enough around Chicago for me to feel like it's okay to put these out. A couple neighbors have their lights up already, so Christmas it is. Benito convinced me the season really starts with St. Martin's Day, but it was 70 around here a couple days ago, but I just couldn't do it. So I've joked before about being an influencer, but this year it seems like everyone in the world has a movie or album or book to pitch. Maybe COVID just left everyone with nothing to do, so they decided to make Happy Christmas Media. And it's really cool that a bunch of directors and writers and so many people obviously have me on their long list of possible PR contacts. But I've gotten mostly what I consider to be kind of like spammed requests to watch something or read something. And it's flattering, especially if I get a free book or a chance to watch a movie before it comes out. But it's also kind of depressing because so many people don't seem to narrow down their list. I mean, it looks like they took every show or website with Christmas in it and sent an email. I mean, if someone's making yet another Hallmark movie knockoff or a cookie-cutter Santa Kids book, I'm obviously not the right person to get in touch with. All of which is just to say that if you're making something Christmassy, I would love to see it, but I probably won't share it or talk a lot about it unless it fits my weird thing. No, friends, my pimpin' is choice. If I'm going to do a show about something new coming out, basically a free advertisement, it's going to be because I want to share it. So this show is about a new Christmas movie that you won't find really advertised anywhere. In fact, the director didn't approach me, I approached her. I saw the trailer, but I knew I wanted to know more and help what's definitely a niche little production get a little more love. So the movie is actually pretty unique, and I'm betting most of you haven't seen Mumblecore films before, or at least didn't know you were watching them. Mumblecore is a kind of movie that straddles a weird line between traditional movie making and just like turning on a camera when you and your friends sit down to talk. I may not be categorizing them the right way according to, you know, uber film geeks, but I always think of them as a subgenre of like cinema verite, which was a big French art house kind of movie from the 60s that was a little bit like watching artsy reality TV. Sometimes it'd be a documentary where you just set up a camera and watch people talk. Other times they'd set up weird situations to see how real people reacted to something. So it was a little bit mix of real and scripted. Mumblecore is a modern version of that, which still tries to tell a story. But the acting and dialogue are all improvised to try to get more of a natural feel to storytelling. When it works, it can be really cool and really moving. When it doesn't work, you watch people talk about nothing for an hour while the director is in the corner going, Now I have captured real life. But I think I may have found the first Mumblecore Christmas movie. If there are others, let me know, but I doubt it'll be as good. This one's called Christmas Ride, and it's about a rideshare driver who's out working on Christmas Day, and it documents all the various people she meets and the effect of all the emotional baggage she picks up. It's funny, it's moving, and it hits a Christmas vibe that's very, very true to me, but also very, very not the kind of thing I've seen before. But beyond how it was made, I love that this is a Christmas movie that doesn't try to fit any kind of Christmas movie genre stuff. This isn't trying to be universal Christmas movie. It's talking about people who fall through the cracks at Christmas. It isn't forcing the world into happy mold or wish fulfillment fantasy. 
In a lot of ways, the movie really gets to how Christmas is an annual ritual of sadness for a lot of people. But it does it in a way that's really human and really focuses on how we all have to integrate those times in our life that are downers and keep going. And it's also just charming, largely due to the main actor, Darian Rattay, who had to carry the story. But I was lucky enough to talk to the writer or premise designer, <laughs> producer, director Stephanie Davis, who's made quite a few Mumblecore films. She founded Bouncy Boxer Media to help produce them, and frankly, I promised her some exposure if I could see the movie before it was officially released. So I totally played the PR card, and it worked. Like I said, sometimes a podcast gig is kind of cool. But before we hear from Stephanie, here's a bit of what you don't normally get in a Christmas movie, but which to me really works. Uh, my therapist told me to write down one positive thing, one affirmation, something to motivate me every day. Um, so maybe, maybe you try to write something, just anything. Like something, like something good? Just maybe how you feel, get it out. Or maybe something you want to feel. And that could be what you focus on, is something that you would like to be able to do. I, why Christmas? Why did you decide to make a Christmas movie? Uh, well, I came home after um, working a marketing gig where I was touring the country for seven months. And I was like, okay, I had already released my first movie, Hot Mess in a Wedding Dress. Come home and, you know, we just have the holidays for the rest of the year. And I was just itching to film something. And in my head, I was like, well, Christmas is coming up. What can I do with Christmas? And um, I just kept thinking about Hallmark because like, I don't want to do anything Hallmark, you want to do something different and for a low budget. And uh, I reached out to a friend of mine, Darian Rattay, who became my lead. And I said, hey, what do you think about doing a completely improvisational Christmas movie? She's like, I'm down. I don't care what you're talking about. Let, let's just do it. And <laughs> we came up with her character. And then I came up with the passengers and these scenarios. And I'm like, okay, what are some things that we're not seeing in Christmas movies that would be fun to explore. And it's things like Hanukkah, depression, um, people who have toxic families. And, you know, there's a lot of good stuff too. You know, people who get to see their families for the first time in a long time. And it's like, what if we put this all together and just made this like road trip journey kind of story? And I was really excited about how it turned out. It's great, actually. And you let me, you were nice enough. You gave me a, a free a free password to, to see it earlier. But that was, I like it a lot. It was kind of what I hoped from when I saw the trailer. It Immediately, I was like, oh, I know what this is going to be, and this is going to be good. And yeah, it paid off on all my expectations and hopes. So God, I'm really glad you cool. liked it. But yeah. So for, I know a lot of people may not know what Mumblecore is. Mm -hmm. Would you maybe kind of explain it? Because otherwise yeah. they may get into the movie and be like, well, this is not Hollywood. Right. No, it's not Hollywood <laughs> at all. So uh, Mumblecore is basically a completely improvised film. Joe Swanberg, that's how he has risen to fame in the indie scene. Greta Gerwig was in several Mumblecore films as an actress. And as she was moving into directing, I know she's taken a lot of those skills with her. The Duplass brothers um, have worked a lot with Mumblecore as well. But it's just basically your actors, you have no script but you have these situations. And so the director would let the actors know like, okay, so we just came from this scene where you threw a drink in his face. Now we're going to do the aftermath. So think about the moments, uh, what you're feeling when you threw a drink in his face and you guys are just going to interact with each other. And when you feel like it's resolved, break away and we'll end the scene. And you just let your actors play 
and the performances become very natural and the story just kind of flows. A lot of times the story gets a little slower, but you have to really appreciate that kind of storytelling to be like, okay, this feels like I'm watching actual conversations with actual people. Uh, there's a film on Netflix called Drinking Buddies that I think is one of the most recent ones with Anna Kendrick and um, Olivia. Oh, I can't remember her last name. I know Anna Kendrick was in it and um, Jake Johnson, which was really good. I really enjoyed that. And when I found it was all improvised, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Because the way that they were talking, it was very awkward, but very natural and fun. I was like, man, that's really good acting. Then you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, it's really good improvising. (laughs) What it reminded me of, so people may know the movie Slacker. And I don't know if Slacker was actually improvised, but it's uh, an older movie. It was 90s or something like that, where the director just had a whole bunch of weird characters kind of come through and they all tell their story and tell a little bit about their lives. And I don't know if that was technically mumblecore, but it's definitely the kind of story that you have here mm-hmm. because the setup of the show, right. Is that she's, she's a rideshare driver. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I, I should probably let you say that part oh, <laughs> about what the, what the movie is about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, the movie is about um, a young woman who, you know, she talks to her dad on Christmas day And then she decides to turn on her rideshare app to make a little bit of extra cash on Christmas Day. And I don't think people realize how many people are still out and about on Christmas, that not everybody's with their families. And so she interacts with all of these people and she's really getting to understand the true Christmas, like what's really happening for some people on Christmas because she's just so used to her own little bubble. And this really expands um, her worldview. And so much of the movie is her just talking to people in the car. Yeah. Like you do come out and you, she talks to her dad again and there, there are some character development points, but so much of it is these wonderful little vignettes of just her letting people in her car talk. And I love how it's just cut from one to the next and you get like kind of emotional whiplash sometimes mm-hmm. and um, just the whole variety of what people go through on Christmas, which I think is so cool. Yeah, it's something that isn't talked about a lot. And so I definitely wanted to highlight that. And I don't want to give away the ending, but I did think it was pretty powerful that the last thing, the last thing you do is give like the suicide hotline number. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. like, that's the last, that's how it ends, um, which is not how most Christmas movies would end. Right. Well, especially with the last scene, um, the last conversations, I felt like it was important to to highlight that as well, because that is something that some people do share in the holidays is, that it's, there's a lot, the suicide, I believe the suicide rates are higher during the holiday season. And so just putting that into a Christmas movie, I think makes it really unique. I'm glad you picked me up tonight. I'm glad you got in my car. I'm glad you came with me. Because honestly, I was feeling hopeless. I was feeling like, you know, I can help all these people, but they can't even help themselves. I'm riding around and I'm picking up these people and all of their energy is just rubbing off on me. And I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to be jolly. You know, it's, it's a holiday for God's sake. And I feel spent. I feel like I can't help them because they're just so lost in it. They're just drowning in their own stuff and I know that I'm not supposed to fix everybody but I thought just something nice for somebody else 
would make the season brighter. You said you and your lead kind of brainstormed most of the different characters? Oh, she brainstormed hers, and then I came up with the other characters. Oh, gotcha. And I reached out to um, actors who were very skilled in improv, and a couple of them I hadn't worked with before, but the majority I'd worked with before, and I knew their capabilities because I use a lot of improv in my other films. So, you know, Buzz and Jan, who played the grandparents, I knew how um, adorable they were, and so I asked them, um, oh, what are some Christmas stories that you have? And everything that they talked about in the car, they really did go through. Like it, they, they did live in Germany during Christmas, like he's military. And I was just fascinated by their stories. And so like that first day, I'm just sitting there with the camera, just like listening, you know, like that kid who's perched up and just wide eyed and sparkly. And you're just listening to these beautiful stories and thought, wow, this is really working out well. Okay. We can do this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and it totally sounded natural too, the way they kind of filled out the story for each other. Yeah. The way it starts with her dad, because the the first scene is that she's talking to her dad um, on Skype or Zoom or something like that. And you pretty quickly figure out that her mom has died Mm -hmm. and that this is how she now celebrates Christmas with her dad. That was a, that's kind of a a punch right off to start. Yeah. Um, but it, it does give more to her for why she would, how she can empathize with a lot of the people as you go through. So I thought that was really, really cool. And I mean, the other thing I would say is if you're watching it for the first time and you're not used to mumblecore, you may be at, right at first because they're just kind of opening gifts. And some people may be like, wait, this is very slow, but it, like I said, it's not Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, but it's, but it's actually really cool because it develops both characters really quickly. And by then once the, the background story kicks in, you, can go back and think about, you know, really how their characters were developed, mm-hmm. even in parts that you didn't know. So it's, it's a pretty cool format, I think. Yeah. So what were some of the darker characters that you feel like haven't shown up in Christmas movies before? Well, there's one character in, in particular that I know um, the people that I've had test this said, as soon as that character came up, it like punched them in the gut. And um, you probably know which one I'm talking about, but it was a, a dad that was coming home um and this is his first christmas without his son and he went through a divorce and he's having um heavy depression problems and men don't get too many storylines or you don't see too many characters where men are talking about their depression or like just having a hard time and somebody is there with them kind of being a therapist on wheels and just actively listening and trying to um you know, make sure that he's okay when she drops him off because uh, I've, I've been a rideshare driver and I had somebody one time that I actually felt a little uncomfortable dropping him off. I was like, do you, are you okay? Do you need something? Is there someone who's going to be home with you? Like what's oh, wow. going on? And uh, the guy was like, yeah, I'm just having a really, like he had lost his job. He, um, he's being evicted, but he was going out with his buddies that night. He's, he's like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And we just had this very lengthy conversation. I even kind of held the um, the dropping of him off for a little bit just to make sure that he was okay. And sometimes we forget that our rideshare drivers kind of help us out with that or that they part of what they do is safety. And so that one was definitely 
a character that I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, oh, oh, it's getting real now. Yeah. And I like, too, that she does help him. Yes. Like <laughs> the whole point, too. Yeah, it did make me think this time about how a rideshare driver is a lot like the old taxi driver thing that, you know, oh, I see all kinds of human, mm-hmm. you know, situations or whatever that will show up in a lot of stories. But rideshare drivers, it opens that up to way more people, I feel like, who really get to see that side of people if they're chatty, if they're not one of the ones who, like, don't say anything yeah. to you at all. <laughs> but um, the one actually that got me a lot early on was really short, but it was the one woman who told her girlfriend that she loved her yeah. and then her girlfriend left her just because she seemed pissed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, but it was the way that that in this very short little vignette, because she's not on near as much as the, the guy is there. Mm-hmm. But I felt like her way that she could express that sort of anger and disappointment was so compact and so really well done that that was actually one of my favorite of all the the people that you had on there. Yeah. Told her I loved her. She breaks up with me. Jeez, that's kind of rough. Yeah. You know what really pisses me off? She was supposed to meet my family today for the first time. Why is it whenever things seem like they're working out, you know, like it's all building to something, it just like collapses? Yeah, I mean, I was so excited because this is the first time I've had a girlfriend in probably six years for Christmas, you know? Jeez. And my family, they were gonna like cook her a special meal because I told her, you know, told my mom that she loves stuffed chicken. So my mom is making a stuffed chicken for the girlfriend who's not gonna be there. Yeah, Skyla's great. And I wonder if that was, I didn't ask her, but I have a feeling that was real too may not be on Christmas Day, but I think she's gone through that before where um, she's told a girlfriend that she loves her. And then like right before she goes to meet the family and she breaks up with her and it's like, oh my gosh. And I wanted that part to be right after somebody who is getting excited to meet her boyfriend's family for the first time. So it's like they contradicted each other. Like you're like, oh, so loving. And then, oh crap, somebody just got broken up with. (laughs) (laughs) So another thing that actually to me was really oddly powerful about the movie was having it in Florida. And I know that you're in Florida yeah. <laughs> right now, so it's it's natural. But the idea that it's Christmas, but it doesn't particularly feel cold and you're trying to decorate, but it's, you know, just kind of like through most of the show, the weather's not particularly good. It's not really sunny and it's kind of dreary. And I grew up in Texas where Christmas was often in shorts and whatnot. And it always gave you this weird sense that something wasn't quite as it was supposed to be mm-hmm. about Christmas, but it actually fit the vibe of the movie really well, I thought. And I don't, I don't have no idea if that was at all intentional, but it really seemed perfect mm-hmm. for the kind of that you're telling. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that Christmas happens without snow. And so <laughs> since I was already making an unconventional Christmas movie, it's like, well, I guess I don't need to pretend like we're in the Midwest where it could have been snowing. Instead, it's like, no, we're in Florida. This is what it is in Florida. We sometimes have cold days, and which is why she's got her flannel. And then sometimes you know, during the day, um, one of the days in particular, it was cold and rainy in the morning. And then we had two hours of the sun coming out. And then it was blistering warm. And then it started to cool out. Like we get several seasons in one day sometimes during that time of the year. So I'm just kind of curious about the process of making a movie like this. Cause there was one scene where she's just singing silent night to herself yeah, and really starting to, part. to feel it's really cool. Is that something that you had or is that something mm-hmm. she wanted to do? Like how do little moments like that come up? So in between um, the scenes with other people, it would be just me and her 
and I would tell her to, you know, okay, think about this character that you just had in the car. Um, and now let's sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, for Silent Night, it was to think about the dad as it comes up right after the dad and right before she calls her dad. Um, so it's like, just, you know, think about him. We did it a couple times and the take that we we're using, I, I just got chills when she was doing it because she really was connecting. And it was one of those where you kind of heartbreak with her as she's going through it. But each of those singing ones, I was like, that'd be kind of an interesting transition because when you're, when you drop off somebody and you're on the way to pick up somebody else, like I sing in the car, I go full on Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you like belt it out kind of thing. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, let's do some different tones in between each character with the music to kind of blend them together. And the silent night part, that was one of my favorites. She really did an amazing job with that. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite parts in the movie. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into doing this before? Because you, like you said, this is far from your first movie. And you've done, uh, it looks like, and I'll admit, I haven't, I hadn't, I kept meaning to get a chance to go watch, um, you know, one of the other ones that I didn't, but I'm going to do it before I put this out. So I may change how I say this, this question, but, um, but how did you get into this kind of movie making? Uh, well, I started out as an actor. I moved here, uh, to Florida in 2013. Um, I had worked in corporate banking and, uh, my migraines were just out of control and I had to move back in with my parents. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what, screw it. I want to do something that I really like to do. So I, while I was working in retail, because it's hard to get a job around here, um, I took acting classes and kind of got back, back into acting. And then after doing that for a couple of years, I didn't really like the roles that I was seeing. Hmm, excuse me. It's like, uh, must be comfortable nude, must be comfortable topless, must be comfortable in a sexual situation. It's like, I don't want to do mm-hmm. that. And so I decided, well, why don't I just write the roles that I want to see for myself or you know, get with other actors and be like, what do you want to do? and we'll make something. And I had already had Bouncy Boxer Media as an element to write books um, because I just, I loved writing and I only made one ebook about like migraines. It's really silly. It's just a lot of journal entries putting together. (laughs) Uh, But I thought, you know what? I just want to, I want to tell some unique stories and women led stories of like real women and started with some short films, have Migraine Hell and Speed Dating. Speed Dating is one of our most successful shorts. It's on YouTube. It's got like 106,000 views right now. Um, And it just kind of kept evolving to where we were getting better and better and better. And um, two years ago, I was like, I'm making a feature. This is happening. And when you make your first feature, it needs to like be you. So I made a vulgar rom-com about spilling wine on a wedding dress and woman going through an emotional breakdown, uh, deciding what to do for her wedding to be the perfect bride. Um, and then just after that, it's just kind of like, what other stories do I want to tell? I have a spreadsheet full of, full of ideas, like that I'm currently (laughs) like hashing out. Some are in outline form, some are in script form that I'm just kind of seeing when it's the right time. But I have all these ideas towards like, cool, this is how much money I have. This is what I have as my resources. How can I make a movie with this? And just kind of go from there, which is similar to what the Duplass brothers did when they started is that they're just like, what do we have? How can we make this? Let's do it. Was there something about Mumblecore that you liked more than scripted stuff? I loved Mumblecore. Yeah, I, lo- I love improv and I love letting the actors like just do something fun. And I've watched um, a couple Mumblecore movies and I was just really interested about the technique of it. I thought, well, how, how do you do that? And I just thought, okay, you get an outline, you get actors that you trust. 
at the same time, I'm like, okay, I'm going to film it all myself and I'm the only crew member. So even <laughs> just to add an element on top of that, but it's like, it, I was able to make it very low budget to where all the actors got paid and it was just me. And it's like, you know what, if this doesn't work out, I'm okay with it. If it does, I'm okay with it too. And maybe we'll do another one um, with a different kind of theme. But I really enjoyed the process, like just seeing the actors really play and they loved it. They, they want those opportunities to be able to like have freedom and be able to really create a character. Cause a lot of times actors don't get that. They just get, this is your character. These are your lines. Do it exactly the way that I want you to. So. Is that one guy supposed to be Santa Claus? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Like so. his name is Chris with a K and like, yeah. Um, yeah. I even told him, I was like, you know, you're kind of Santa undercover, you know, day, you're, you're spending the day with the little lady and enjoying yourself. He had so much fun with that because he plays Santa at like Universal and uh, on TV and stuff. And he lives in Atlanta. So it was just kind of fun That's when cool. he came down. He was like, this just seems like so much fun. We were done in like an hour. And he's like, That's it. That, 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 like the majority <laughs> of the actors were with me for an hour, hour and a half. And then Darian was with yeah. me each day. Like it was super chill. We, we just all had fun with it. That's cool. That's really cool. No, it's it's fun to see stuff like this. I'll be honest, I've seen a lot of things that try to kind of pull off something similar mm-hmm. and that you know, you stop watching after a little while. But yeah. this one, you've got a you've got a really good handle on how to take this kind of medium and edit it well and put things together well to, to keep you watching. So, so I, like I said, I, I saw the trailer and I'm like, Oh, I hope this is good because I've seen <laughs> other people try to do things that, that become like super slow. Yeah. And I saw somebody who tried not, not exactly the same premise, but they put one together. And the problem was they tried to focus too much on like three people for like an hour and a half. Oh. And then the, you know, it can work if you have great people yeah. who can do that, but they weren't. And so it, it dragged, but she was awesome. And then to have yeah. her combined with, with all these other people that have just such a huge variety of like personality types and things too. I just thought it was, it worked out really well. Yeah. And these, these are all actors who do live performance and improv and have so much experience and they all just really were interested in, you know, doing a completely improvised scene. Like the majority of them, like, so we don't have lines. I'm like, no, I don't have really any lines. I have these bullet points that, you know, of situations. And then we would talk about the character beforehand. And uh, I could give them, because I do color palettes. So I gave them their color palette on what to wear based on what their personality and their vibe was. And I had mm-hmm. already had the music picked out for each section. And so I would play them their song before we would do it. So they got an idea of what the pacing was and um, kind of what their tone would be like and it really worked out well i'm i'm like you know what shot in the dark let's try this <laughs> speaking of color palette i know i told you an email but that shirt yeah i had her shirt i literally like i focused in and it was like is that actually the pattern or one that's like it and i'm like no that was my shirt yeah, it's her dad's shirt from the 90s <laughs> her real dad i totally own that shirt because i was one of those kids in the 90s who mm-hmm. was like had to wear a flannel shirt all the time and pretended to be a grunge boy and everything and <laughs> yeah it it was totally mine that was so awesome to see that. So much wrapping. Well, it's very special, so I want to make sure it's wrapped properly. Is this mom's? Yeah. Yeah. I was going through some stuff, and I saw it. It was one of her favorite shirts. I saw all the pictures with her in it from, yeah. like, the 90s or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the dark ages. I thought you had it. I love it. 
Hmm. It's all worn. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. You are welcome. Well, I think it was great, and I'm that's why I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us when it's going to be available and yes. where people can find it. I'm going to be releasing it on November 1st. It's actually out now, by the way, so you don't have to wait. Through Vimeo and Amazon. Um, you can do that yourself. I learned with um, Hot Mess, I did self-distribution. So with this one, I thought, okay, I'd rather do self-distribution than to hand my movie over to somebody else and uh, let them you know, do something with it and maybe I'll get money, maybe I won't. So I'm self-distributing this one as well. And it's going to be on Amazon to rent or buy um, in the U.S., U.K., and Germany. And then on Vimeo, it will be available to rent or buy. And then I'm working on more platforms right now. So more will probably come um, like after, after we've talked about this. But on our Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter, I'll keep everybody updated on uh, where you can see Well, anything it. else you want to add that I didn't mention or that you'd like um, to let people know? I just kind of hope that when people watch it that – you know, keep an open mind, watch it with your hot chocolate, treat it like any other Christmas movie, but just be ready for it to be different. Um, I think if you go in for expectations of it being a Hallmark movie or a Hollywood movie, then it's not going to be for you. But if you go in thinking, well, this is a story or these are people that I'm really enjoying watching, or this is a story that is very different. So I think if they go in with open minds, then I think they'll really enjoy it. Thanks for talking to me and giving yes, everybody a little preview of what's coming out. But I really do hope everybody takes a chance to go watch this one. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm hoping this kind of fits that weird Christmas because it's not your traditional you know, kind of movie. And I think a lot of people are really going to connect with some of the characters that they see on the movie. Like she said, you can find the film on Amazon, it's free with Prime, or on Vimeo, and the links are in the show notes at weirdchristmas.com. I really hope you'll check it out and maybe find a whole new kind of movie you like, starting with some of Bouncy Boxer's other stuff. And trailers for all of that's at bouncyboxermedia.com. Thanks again, Stephanie, for talking to me. Now don't worry, Weird Christmas isn't going to turn into a big commercial podcast, although I do seem to tell you to buy a lot of books, but can't help that, books are good. But there's a lot coming up this season from new ways to look at the history of Santa, to music, and stories you've never heard before, and some strange holiday folklore, maybe even some that you helped make without knowing it. Please go check out Weird Christmas on your favorite social media thing. If you don't know, I share a ton of old vintage postcards all season long, specially curated to find the weirdest things I can. I'm sprinkling more and more Christmas into the Thanksgiving stuff right now, so it's not all just turkeys and women baking pies. If you really like the show, you can help me out by joining Patreon. I'm just about to mail out the Thanksgiving card for this year, so if you sign up soon, you'll make the mailing list. Patreon.com slash weirdchristmas. And speaking of, thanks to Scott Lamy, who signed up since the Krampus episode, and I don't think I said thanks to Emily Wynn last time. I've actually mentioned her on a podcast before, but it had to do with doing carpentry in another room while someone was trying to be brilliant into a microphone. Long story. You can also buy me a coffee at ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash weirdchristmas. That's little gifts of $3 increments, and you can even set it up to do like a recurring monthly donation, which, hmm... All the cash goes back into the fees to keep this thing going and to pay for the story contest. And you know, I'm just going to straight up beg this time. If you like the show, go leave a review at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you're listening on right now. 
just do it. I'll love you. I don't know that those reviews really help much, but they're huge bragging rights when podcasters talk to each other, and we actually do. It's weird. Um, In fact, if you want to get creative and write a review that has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the show, that'd kind of be even funnier. I love the idea of someone checking out the reviews of a podcast and none of them are actually about the show. Like what if it was all apple pie recipes or you know, rambling about your favorite Christmas cookies or that time you got a funny feeling sitting on Santa's lap. I know you like weird. This is one small way you can help make the weird. Next time, frankly, depends on whichever episode I can finish editing first. Surprise is the spice of life, right? Whatever it is, it'll be great. I promise. So until next time, don't let Santa stuff you in his bulging, sweaty sack. Hi, this is Scott from Holly Jolly Xmasu, your podcast destination for Japanese Christmas music. If you like Christmas music and are tired of the same old songs, this is the podcast for you. Join me each month as I explore my collection of Yuletide albums from Japan, featuring everything from city pop to 80s rock, long lost jazz, and psychedelic garage rock. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It's some of the greatest Christmas music you've never heard. Oh, more than I see is so long.